talking about making some brand new starts in various areas uh, of our life, how, how to plan a different 2019 in some areas than we experienced maybe in 2018. And the, the, the nice thing about some of the areas that we can restart is we can just forget about whatever happened in the past. They, they, they don't necessarily have to have any impact on the future. We can, we can just sort of draw a line and decide that was the past and this is going to be the future and uh, we don't have to think about the past anymore. There are certain areas like that. If you, if you were in a toxic relationship last year, you could just decide, I'm not going to participate in that in 2019. I'm going to build healthier relationships. I know it's not quite that easy, but you could just leave that in the past and move forward with healthier decisions and healthier direction for your life. If, if you didn't invest a lot in personal growth, then you can decide 2019 is going to be different for me. And draw a line. Uh, I'm going to find some, some books to read that are going to help me grow. I'm going to listen to some podcasts. going to put some practices in my life. And it's going to help me be better in 2019. And 2018 doesn't necessarily even have to impact that. It doesn't have to influence that. There are some areas, though, that, that probably we need to at least consider restarting or rebooting or running a different program in 2019. There's probably at least a couple of areas where you can't entirely disengage from what you did in 2018. There's still some consequences from 2018 that aren't going to go away just because you want to make a new start in 2019. If all of 2018... Uh, you made unhealthy choices when it came to what you eat, when it came to exercise. It is a great idea to restart in 2019. It is a great idea to make healthier choices in 2019. There are still some things from your 2018 choices that are going to follow you into 2019, right? Figuratively and possibly literally. There are still going to be some things hanging around from bad nutrition choices in 2018 that will just come with you in 2019. Now, we wish it weren't that way. I wish it weren't that way. I, I, I wish I could eat a salad today and weigh 10 pounds less tomorrow. That's, that's the way I want it to work. Get on a treadmill for 30 minutes today, and tomorrow all of my clothes fit better. That's the way I want it to work. I think that's the way most of us want it to work. But when it comes to our physical health, it doesn't happen like that. Our choices from the past have a way of staying with us and following us into the new year. The Bible speaks often uh, about this analogy of sowing and reaping. Like, whatever I've done, whatever I've planted, I'm going to harvest. Whatever I've been putting in the ground of my life is going to bear fruit somewhere down the road. And the Bible says there's really no escaping that in, in many areas of our life. I, I can't plant one thing and get something else. If, if I've planted an undisciplined life for the last six months, I'm not going to suddenly reap a disciplined life tomorrow. Even if I start new disciplines, right? there's still going to be some consequence. There is a planting season and a harvesting season when it comes to our habits. And, and January, in a lot of ways, is a planting season. There's not a lot of harvesting that takes place in January, at least not where we live. This is about preparing for what I want to experience in the future. Planting 
being disciplined day after day so that I can reap, I can harvest, I can experience the fruit of that somewhere down the line. So, so I want to encourage you to, to see January as planting season. See, see the beginning of this year as I'm going to start doing some work of prepara- preparation that may not pay off tomorrow, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I want to be a different person down the road. Sometimes the restarts that we make in a new year is not about the person that we want to be in January. It's more about the person we want to be in September. Or we plant some things this January because of the person we want to be next January. Or we want to be in five years, or we want to be in ten years. We plant some things this January because we want our relationships to be different in June. We want our marriage to look different in October. So we're going to start doing the hard work of preparing the soil and planting the seed and caring for the seed, knowing that seed's not going to sprout for a while. The benefit is going to come Later on, we're, we're not wired for that in a lot of ways. Uh, we've, we've talked about this often. We're wired for instant gratification. We're, we're wired for one click, and it's supposed to happen. Website's supposed to load really fast. Microwave's supposed to cook really fast. Right? We're wired for it needs to happen now. That's not the way a lot of areas in our life are. That's not the way habits and discipline in our lives are. We're going to talk about one of those today that you, you could make some changes and, and maybe some of us need to make some I need to make some changes in this area. You could make some changes this week that may not really show up for a month or six or 12, but it's an area you still need to restart. And, it, and it's an area, admittedly, we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about it at church. Um, for one, it feels really personal, and, and it is really personal. I'm aware of that today. Um, it's an area that we quickly get defensive of, uh, especially when the pastor talks about it. Um, it it's the financial area. As, as we're kicking off a new year, as you're trying to form some new habits, you're trying to restart some things, don't neglect this one. Both from a spiritual perspective and from a practical perspective, this is an area of our lives that needs to be brought under the leadership and the lordship of God, submitted to Him, not submitted to me, not submitted to what I think, but submitted to what God thinks about that particular area of our life. Um, Like I said before, you can restart this area in January and you may not see any results in February. Your mortgage is not going to disappear just because you make some changes this month. Your debt load is probably not going to disappear because you set up a new plan this month. The fact that Amazon Prime delivered to your house every day for the last two months, that's not going away. Because you come up with a new financial plan, but that's not the point. The point is for us to be obedient to God and for us to discover the freedom that God desires for us in the financial area. When we think about finances and church, 
immediately think that we want something from you, our God wants something from you, and you may not believe me, but God really wants something for you when it comes to the financial area. He wants you to discover His faithfulness, His blessings, the goodness of being obedient to God and bringing discipline in order to your financial area. He wants freedom for us. He doesn't want us to live under the bondage of, of debt and stress that we all know comes with the financial area of your life. So, so just take a deep breath. I'm not going to get real personal. I, I just want to say these are some principles from God's Word. And this is an area that many of us at least need to spend a little bit of time thinking about. Part of the problem with the financial area for, for me, maybe, maybe you're like me, is it, it's just hard to keep up with where money is going or how much is going out. Uh, I, I, do, I do the finances in our house primarily, do the checkbook and all, all that sort of thing. Um, so whenever we're out or, or whenever we plan a trip or a vacation or adventure, there's like this little part of my brain that's running a spreadsheet the whole time, right? Some of you, like if you do the checkbook at your house, you, you're, you're with me. Like there's just a little spreadsheet, you're tallying everything. With, we did this for, we ate at this place and we did this little activity. And so, all right, we got that money that'll cover that. And I got some money over here and we can pay for that. And what I found consistently true for me. Maybe you're better than me. I've found that almost every single time I have underestimated what we spent when I actually see it in writing. And maybe you're not like me. Maybe you run an accurate statement in your head all the time. I hardly ever do. Hardly ever. Restaurant, for example. Ever been to a restaurant and you're that, that person, you're the person in your family that's doing this and, and you're thinking, you know what, we're going to split an entree, so that's going to cut everything in half. And since we're splitting an entree, we should get the appetizer, right? And, and we can't really decide between two of the appetizers, but we're splitting the entree, so let's get two appetizers. And since we split the entree, let's get dessert. We could split dessert, but we both like coffee with dessert, and there's that one dessert that would be really good for breakfast tomorrow, so let's get that to go. And it just blows my spreadsheet apart, right? Because I think we split the entree and we order two appetizers and two desserts and cups of coffee and an extra whatever. And my spreadsheet never works out right. Um, Julie and I, I was in seminary in Texas and we were poor seminary students um, and it was somebody's birthday. We were going out with another couple, a couple friends of ours. And it was somebody's birthday, so we decided to go to this nice Mexican restaurant. We've heard, we had heard tons about this restaurant, and it was just great, but it was a little pricey. So we had prepared ourselves, special occasion, split the entree. And so we go, and we find this meal with chicken and steak and sausage and shrimp. It's like this huge fajita meal. And we look at the price and we think, we split that. That's not bad at all. And so both of us order. They order that. They're going to split it. We order it. And we're going to split it. And we are just loving life. Like we're eating. And we're thinking, why do they say this place is so expensive? Uh, and the, the waiter comes, ask us if we want more. Like he's going to bring us more chicken and sausage and steak. And then the bill comes 
And that's when we realized the price was per person. It wasn't per plate. It's like anybody who ate got charged this amount. And so we washed some dishes and then they let us go back to, not really, but um, it was like this wake up call. That's what the check always does at the end of the meal, right? The, the check isn't based on what I thought we were spending. Ever notice that? It's never based on what I thought it was going to cost. It's always based on what it actually costs. When my statement comes in the mail, it's never based on what I thought we spent last month. It's always based on what I actually spent. Because all of those charges on your statement, you charged all of them. Right, with, with the exception of identity theft. I know that happens, but most of the time the identity is me. Right? I, I'm the identity that spent all of that money. And the statement always comes. And the statement does not care what I thought I spent or what I thought I charged. It always says, no, this is actually what you spent. And guess what? You have to pay this now. You have to pay this off because you actually spent all of this. Now, we're coming off an expensive season, right? Let's, let's be honest. None of us want to open statements in January because Christmas is all over January, and now we got to pay. And it was fun while it lasted, and now we got to pay the piper. And so we're coming off that expensive season. We're getting that wake-up call of reality. You know, this is what you actually paid Amazon last month. This is what it actually was. So this is a good time to, to just step back and restart. Right? Can't wipe out all of that stuff, but, but maybe I need to get organized. Nice thing about January is we're, we're at least doing a minimal amount of financial organizing this time of year because taxes are coming up, right? Like you're doing at least a bare minimum of, I got to get this ready so that I can file my tax. So we're doing a bare minimum level. I'm suggesting today, maybe we expand that a little bit. Maybe we expand that just a little bit more and, and dig a little deeper into your personal finances, and for me, my personal finances, all right? Now, 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 let me share two thoughts before I go any, any further. And, and the first one is, I don't know the details and intricacies of your financial situations. None of my business, right? I don't know. I don't know what anybody makes. I, uh, I, I don't know what anybody's debt is. I, I don't know the details of your financial situation. You don't know the details of my financial situation. So <clears throat> as we're walking through this, and there's that little part of you that thinks, well, the pastor doesn't know my situation. You're right. I don't. I, I don't know your situation or how you got there or, or what the explanation is. I don't. Now, my, my goal today is just to say, like, here's some general ideas that come from the Bible that make a lot of sense, that are really practical because God cares about this area of your life. Whatever your situation is, whatever the details and backstory of your financial situation is, run it through these principles and, and do your best in 2019 to bring that area of your life that only you know about, bring that area of your life under the obedience and submission 
of what God has to say. You see, probably in most of our financial areas, there's, there's a major percentage of it that if we're honest, and you may not want to be honest, but if you are honest, you would say, yeah, that's all my responsibility. I made all of those choices. I made all of those purchases. I said yes to all of that. I signed to that note. I took out that loan. That was me. If we're honest, huge percentage, most of our financial area, that's it. And, and then there may be some smaller part. There may be some percentage uh, that we would look at and say, that really wasn't me. I mean, it was, it was life. It was circumstances. I got laid off. This happened I wasn't looking for that. And we can argue, you should have been prepared. That doesn't help anybody, right? It, some things hit us out of the blue. Whatever the mix is for you, whatever the percentages are, I don't know. I'm not claiming to know. I am saying, boy, God gives us some really practical direction. That if we, would, if we just submit to it, if we just be okay with it, maybe we would be in a different position a year from now. Second thing I want to say before I, before I jump in, I am not a financial planner. I don't claim to be a financial planner. I'm a pastor. I can hook you up with a financial planner. I know some. If you need that, I can direct you to some books written by financial planners. I can show you some studies that if you want to go through them might help you. I'm not a financial planner. I'm a pastor. My goal today is to say, here's some really good general practical principles that God gave us in His Word thousands of years ago. And they're still true, and you'll still benefit from them. Take them, filter your financial situation through them. So, so what are some of those? How does the Bible talk about our finances? I think the initial and the largest principle that we find throughout the Bible is that there is a constant temptation for all of us. There is a constant temptation to view and relate to money specifically in an unhealthy manner. And, and, and that's regardless of your economic status. That's regardless of whether you're wealthy or not wealthy, or somewhere in the middle. That, that's regardless of gender, it's regardless of culture, it's, it's regardless of everything. The Bible gives this warning over and over again. You need to keep an eye on your heart. Because all of us will be tempted to put our trust in money, to desire money, to let money get out of whack in the priority list of our life. Jesus said it this way. This is Matthew chapter 6. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. He's encouraging us to value the kingdom of God, to value God above everything else. And he, he says, no one can serve two masters Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And here's the specific illustration he uses. You cannot serve both God and money. Right, now, he could have used in any illustration, but Jesus specifically said, here's one that your heart's going to be tempted to probably your whole life. And you're going to win sometimes. Like, you're going to get on top of this, but in a sneaky way, materialism... Wealth, money, it's going to just keep creeping into your life. You're going to have to constantly watch because money is going to want to pull you away from the priorities that your life and your heart should really have. Another example from Proverbs 11. Those who trust in their riches 
will fall. Here's a warning. You will be tempted to trust in stuff. All throughout your life, there are going to be times you will be tempted to think, if I just had more money, then everything would be fine. Believing that money is going to make the future better. You you and I are always going to be tempted in some way to put our trust and our hope in things and money specifically. From Psalm 62. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. You may get wealth. The Bible's not against wealth. You may gain wealth. There are dangers with wealth, and here's one of them. The psalmist says, as you get wealthier, the temptation will increase to trust your wealth. Don't do it. Don't let your heart get pulled over there. We're going to talk about some practical uh, habits that you can put in place. None of them will help you long term. If you and I don't wrestle the heart issue, if we don't wrestle the desires of our heart, the temptation to trust in ourselves, to trust in our wealth, to put our value in our wealth, that's one of the temptations. I am a more valuable person because I make this much money or I'm this successful to put my identity in my wealth or to allow anxiety related to wealth to rule my life when I, when I should be trusting in God. All of these little temptations, they're going to come at our heart our entire life. Again, regardless of how much you make, regardless of where you are, how much debt you have or don't have, this is going to be true. And so at the beginning, you and I have to wrestle the issues that are below the money issue. There there are root issues underneath the money issue. And and you could put a great budget together. You, you, You could put a savings plan together. That alone doesn't fix the heart issues of desire and loving money. Paul said in 1 Timothy, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money. It's, it's the desire. It's the love of money. It's, it's the wanting of more. It's, the, it's not finding contentment in Christ, in God, and in what He has blessed me with. Not figuring out how to live within my means. Give glory to God for that. The root of it is my desires. It's not money itself. And so I want to encourage you as we start 2019, wrestle believe down below the money issue. Yeah, fix some, fix some plans, fix some budgets, get out of debt, do all of those practical things, but wrestle below that issue to the heart. Now, once we've done that, once we've been honest about the stuff that's going on inside, the Bible does give us some really practical ways that we can begin to bring discipline and order to this Area. I, I, I think our financial area gives us an opportunity to become like God in the sense that God is a God of discipline and order. That's a characteristic of God that we want to become. Discipline and order allows us to become more like the character of God. So how do we do that? The big principle under this, under this idea, I think coming from the Bible, is the idea of having a plan. Have a plan. It's January. We had 11 and a half months stretching out in front of us. For this area of your life, 
what's the plan? Because honestly, it's fairly comfortable to operate financially without a plan. To spend until we run out of money and then try to not spend until we get more money, right? That's, our, that's some of our plan. Some of us, that's our plan. I got paid. I'm going to spend until it's gone, and then I'm going to tell everybody you can't spend any more money. And then probably I'm going to have to charge some of my expenses to get me to when I get more money. That's not a plan. That's not a plan. And, and it's, again, it's comfortable and it's easy to live that way. The problem is when an unexpected bill comes up, uh, the problem is when something doesn't work out, the, there's a downsizing, there's a layoff. And, and, and maybe we can handle one of those in the moment, but when there's three, or three of those that all pile together and, and we haven't had a plan, we're not, we don't have discipline and order in this area of our life, then that's when we start running into problems. Proverbs 21.5 The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, not just financial profit, but life profit, right? being healthy spiritually, being healthy emotionally. It's those who have a plan. It's those who bring discipline and order that are going to benefit and that's what some of us need to do. Now, it's not my place to tell you what your plan should be. But in Scripture, general principle, you should have a plan. Uh, another verse, Proverbs 27. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, there's a simple, they're not thinking about the future. They're not planning for the future. They don't have any discipline or order. And then they run into a brick wall and they wonder why. Now, it's the person that has looked down the road, has planned for down the road with discipline and order that is going to, going to profit. Now, what would that plan look like? How do you get started making a plan? First idea. I think it has to start with knowing what you have and knowing where it goes. It has to start there. There's no way to make a plan for the future if you don't know what you have. And there's no way to make a plan for the future if you don't know where what you have has been going. Uh, my favorite verse on this, Proverbs 27. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Now, I don't think any of us have flocks. I don't think any of us have herds. What it was saying is, know what you have. If it's sheep, then know how many you got. Know how they're doing. If it's something else, know what you have. Have some mechanism for assessing this is what I make. This is what we bring in. This, this is the maximum that we're going to have in 2019. Have some way of figuring that out. And, and then have some way of assessing this is where that amount keeps going every month. The, the nice thing about living in 2019, is that if you have online banking, it does a lot of that for you. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm trying to remind you of some things that you know and maybe you've done in the past. That Hey, let's do that again. The nice thing about online banking is almost all of it has some sort of year-end summary. Credit cards now almost all have a year-end summary. 
And you make a couple of clicks and there's a pie chart and it tells you what you spend on everything and it doesn't lie. Again, the identity theft is you. You were the one that did that. Banks the same way. This is where your checking account went. This percentage went here. That percentage went there. If you are brave enough to look at it, it can help you. Know what you have. Know where it's going because what do they say? Knowledge is power, right? And once you know, then you can take some of that and you can change where it's going. You can decide, I really shouldn't spend that much on that. I really shouldn't spend any on that. I could cut back on that. I could make different decisions in 2019 with the money that I have. And it would change my spirituality, because I would be obeying God better. It would change me emotionally because I wouldn't have the stress that I had in 2018. It would change my future because I could be planning for my future. Know what you have. Know where it's going. Uh, hardly any of us write checks, right? Uh, how many of you have written more than, personally I'm talking about, written more than 10 checks in the last year? Okay. Very few. Right, we, we don't do a lot of check, right? We don't use cash a lot. Most of us use debit cards, right? Which means there's a record of everything that you did with that debit card. And if you want to know, if you want a reality check, it is available. You could sit down and you could get that reality check. Right? Let, let me say, oh, I may have to do some marriage counseling uh, after this, but let me say one thing to couples. It's going to take one of you saying, hey, we need to do this. It's going to take one of you. Because one of you is probably not going to say that. Right? There's probably one of you that's hoping your spouse forgets this whole message as soon as you walk out. <laughs> and one of you is going to have to say, hey, I don't want to start a fight. Pastor said he'd do marriage counseling if this gets bad. Can we just sit down and click on our online banking and see where everything was last year? You, you got 11 more months, more months in 2019 to patch up your marriage, okay? You got, we'll work on that the other 11 months. If you don't know, some of you know, if you don't know, if you haven't done it in a while, this is the time. All right, making a plan. What's another practical step? Know what you have, know where it's going. Devise a plan to tackle debt. Devise a plan to tackle debt. And maybe you don't have any. Good for you. That's awesome. That's an awesome way to live. Maybe you have a little bit. Maybe you just have a mortgage. Great. That's fantastic. Maybe you way overdid it at Christmas. Maybe there was that vacation that you're still paying for. Okay, maybe that's you. I don't know. I don't know the details. You don't know the details of mine. I'm just saying for a lot of us, if we are representative of average American, there's some debt in our life. Now, the Bible speaks often with warnings about debt. Be careful. Warning Will Robinson, right? Be careful. This, is, this could get you into a lot of trouble. This could bring a lot of stress into your life. Be careful. If you're signing over your future for something that you want right now, you're saying you can't wait. Be careful. 
Right? Tons of warning in the Bible and encouragement always to repay our debt. I, I don't think the Bible prohibits debt. That's me. Some people do. Some people who love God think that. I, I don't. I think the Bible warns consistently about having debt and warns specifically about unwise debt. I think there is unwise debt, which is the vast majority of debt. Let's just be honest. The vast majority of it is foolish. And then there's a small part, perhaps, that's wise debt. For all of it, the Bible says you've got to pay all of it back. You've got to be a person of integrity. Right? Pay what you owe. And so for 2019, for some of us, we need, to, we need to look at what our debt load is, and we need to figure out how do we accelerate getting out from under this. Because there is so much freedom that would come for some of us if we would just knock some of that out. If we'd look at what we have and where it's going, and we would decide, I'm going to redirect some of this away from Starbucks or wherever. I'm going to redirect some of this away from things I could do without so that I could get out of this debt because there would be freedom in your life. There would be an immediate lifting of stress, perhaps even in your marriage. For a long, long, I don't know what the current survey is. I don't know what the current study is. For a long, long time, number one reason for divorce was not having an affair. Number one reason was finances. The stress that comes when your marriage is under the weight of significant debt. Again, this is not what God wants from you. This is the freedom God wants for us, the health that God wants for our marriages when we live with discipline and order. So have some plan in 2019 to tackle debt. Next plan, have some plan to save. Proverbs 6, you can read it later, verses 6 through 8. The proverb writer says, go to the ant. Now, he doesn't have a boss. Nobody's over the ant, and yet he gets up every day and stores away what he's going to need for later. The Bible does not encourage hoarding. The, the Bible does not encourage us being greedy. The Bible does not encourage us withholding from people who have needs. But the Bible does encourage discipline and order looking down the road when it comes to our savings. What, what is the plan? Because... Let me just share this with you. Saving whatever you have left over at the end of the month is not a plan. Because we all have negative $312 at the end of the month, right? That's not a plan. It's not going to be there if you wait to the end. Savings has to get bumped up to the priority of first of the month, right? This is one of the first things I do. Because I want to follow the principles of God's word when it comes to discipline and order. I want to go to the ant who stores things away. Again, we're not hoarding. We're, we're not greedy. But the Bible says plan. Have a plan. And that includes savings. It, you can start small. I, I know that for some of you I, I've seen on social media in different places where I've talked to you. You are in the habit of doing the Save a dollar the first week of the year and save two dollars the second week of the year and three dollars the third week and four dollars the fourth week, all the way up to fifty-two dollars at the end. I don't I didn't do the math to figure out what that comes out to be, but it's bigger than nothing. And I, I'm pretty sure that if you did that, you have more than nothing in your savings account on December 31st, 2019. I posted a few weeks ago, I'm trying to do the Clark Howard thing. 
Uh, last year, I found a Clark Howard PDF that said how to save $2,018 in 2018. And it gives you, it, it's more than a dollar, but it, it gives you a little bit each week. And if you'll set that aside when you get paid, then at the end of the year, you would have saved 2018. I added a dollar to the last payment, so it would be 2019, just because I, I needed to do that uh, for my math. Uh, um, you, if you Google Clark Howard saved $2,018, you'll get PDF. You can follow it or not. Have a plan. Have a plan for how you can reflect Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8, of setting aside... So that when emergencies do come up, it doesn't set your whole budget back. Plan to tackle debt, plan to save, and then we'll wrap up here. Plan to give. Plan to give. We talked about how finances at its core are heart issues. They're issues of desire. They're issues of priority. One of the best ways to train our heart is to teach our heart to be generous. To teach our heart that everything I have doesn't belong to me. It's not mine to do with what I want. I am a steward of what God has allowed into my life. Now, if you're not a follower of, of Jesus yet, if you don't believe in God yet, I'm glad you're here. Please come back. And this, this may not make sense to you, and, and you feel free to ignore this. But, but if you're a follower of Jesus, like if you claim God as your father, then what you're admitting is everything in your life belongs to him. Like you don't own anything. And that's difficult when it comes to finances because for all of us, there's that part that wants to say, well, I earned this. Well, I worked for this. Well, I worked overtime for this. Well, I've been saving. This is mine. It's just that there's no place for mine for a follower of Jesus. Everything belongs to God. And so the, the only question is, how do I use the finances that God gave me the way God would use them? Like what would God do with His money? Because that's His money. And how do I honor Him? And the Bible is, is consistent, Old Testament and New Testament. One of the ways I honor Him is by being generous, by giving. By saying, I am not going to spend all of my resources on me. I'm going to use some of my resources for the work that God is doing. I'm going to use some of my resources for helping needy people as God brings them into my life. I'm going to give away something of what I have. And again, I hate to repeat myself, giving whatever is left over at the end of the month is not a plan. Because none of us have that extra at the end of the month. Giving, like saving... It's got to be moved to the first. It's got to be moved to the front. It, it's it's got to be a commitment. We have to decide, I'm going to consistently, I'm going to commit that I am going to give this much away every month. It's one of the reasons my family has always, just I was taught this early, we've consistently um, uh, practiced 10%. That we, that we give right now to Journey because this is our church home and this is where we are fed and this is where we grow and this is where our spiritual relationships are. First of the month, that's what we do. That's how we respond. It's consistent. It's a commitment. It's first. It's priority. God, this is yours. It's not mine. None of it's mine, but this is a reflection of how I feel about all of our resources. I'm going to give this to you 
and let you use it in the kingdom of God. I would encourage you to build some sort of systematic, committed way to give. We have people in our church who are involved in significant ministries to help children in foster care here locally and around the world. We have people in our church who run ministries who rescue children, rescue young adults who otherwise are going to end up on the street and help them move towards a self-sustaining livelihood while introducing them to Jesus. Those ministries are happening from people within our church. This may be the year that you decide, I'm going to set aside part of what I make this year to help resource what they're doing. I'm going to make it possible for a young adult who's aged out of foster care to receive the care that they need. Be generous. Teach your heart to be generous. Ultimately, the issue of finances, as I said, is not an issue of money. It's an issue of, am I going to submit my life to God? Am I going to submit the way I handle my resources to the God that I say is over all of my life. It's a submission issue. Am I going to bring discipline and order? Am I going to do my best to avoid the stress of debt? Because I know that's not what God wants from me. So I'm going to obey. I'm going to submit to that. And I want to encourage you with 2019 stretching out in front of you. And there's not a lot we can do about 2018. We, we, can, we can try to pay off 2018. It's still going to be there. This is the time to chart a new course for your financial future and possibly your family's financial future that it would come under the direction and will and leading of your father who, again, wants the best for you. He's not trying to rob you. He's not trying to steal from you. He's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to free you to know the fullness of the life that he created you for. And part of that is being obedient in this area. Let's pray. God, we thank you that sometimes you just get in our business. Uh, because the truth is, we would live our life, our financial life without you. If you hadn't gotten really specific in your word. And thank you that it's from a heart of love. It's not from a heart of trying to take something from us or keep something from us or make life difficult. It's from a heart of love and a desire to see us walk and live in freedom and not in financial bondage. And as we start 2019, help us to restart this area. If there are conversations we need to have with our spouse, let's have those conversations. It won't be easy. There will be bumps in the road. There will be setbacks. There will be obstacles. But... Let's start taking steps towards the freedom that you offer us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.